This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Church, how we doing? Yep, good, good. John 15, that's where we're going to be today as we wrap up our mini-series on Abide, and then uh, we'll jump back uh, firmly into Mark for a good bit. Um, Even as Ashley was reading this, um, I was thinking about uh, Peter, and and after Jesus is raised, and he he goes and he he sees Peter and John, and they're fishing, and he invites them to to come have breakfast with him, Um, and so they have a little fish breakfast there, and, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And, and, and Peter's like, of, co- of course I love you. Absolutely. Peter, do, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I, I love you. Peter, do you love me? And he got a little irritated. Like, okay, why are you asking uh, the same question over and over and over again? Um, my wife gets irritated when I ask her the same question over and over and over again. She's like, amen, preach. Um, you know, and, and so Peter's a little irritated, and then Jesus says, go and feed my sheep. That, that Peter, your love for me will then translate to your obedience to me. Peter, your, your trust in me, your belief in me, your love for me will then translate to you then going and doing what I say to do. Today as we wrap up Abide, talking about abiding in Jesus, we, we see the last point uh, today that, that we're really going to focus on, and that is on obedience. Simple obedience, doing what Jesus tells us to do or, or not doing what God tells us not to do. And here's the main point that I want us to get to, to, get, to drill into our minds and to, to really ask ourselves, do we believe this? Obedience keeps us connected to Jesus. Obedience does not earn our connection with Jesus. It it keeps us connected to Jesus. Conversely, disobedience always leads to disconnection from Jesus. Always. And disconnection leads to death, destruction, and despair. And so the invitation from Jesus today is obey my words. Not because Jesus needs our obedience, not because God is, is lacking and needs our obedience to, in order to, to elevate his, his status, his holiness, but because in our obedience, that is the way to remain in connection with Jesus. And so John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. He says in verse 1, there's a, there's an, uh, um, um, what's my English word? Uh, Descripting, like, what's that? What's that? An adjective? An adjective is a describing word. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in school, y'all. Come on, I am the true vine, which makes me think that there's other there's other vines or there's other vines proclaiming to be the true vine, right? That's the that's the deception of the devil is for us to think that something else is worth connecting to. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I am the true vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Adam, leave that verse up there for a second. Here's a question that I I believe God was asking me this week, and I believe he wants to ask you this week. Do you believe Jesus? 
These are the words of Jesus himself. Do you believe him? Because Jesus himself is saying that apart from abiding in him, we can do, what does it say? Nothing. So apart from abiding in Jesus, we can do nothing. Do we really believe that? Because if we really believe it, then we will, we will abide. We will do anything we can to abide in Jesus. Do you really believe the words of Jesus? We've been talking about just abiding for the last few weeks, and abiding means to be connected to, but not just to be connected for, for a moment, but to remain connected to. And Jesus says that only by abiding in him can we produce spiritual fruit. Only by abiding in him can we live the life that we were created to live. And so we, we, we had this presentation, this gospel picture um, up here, that the fullness of life is found by abiding in Jesus. That God is the fullness of life. Like God is the pinnacle. God is abundant. God is superfluous. God is everything that our minds and hearts desire. God is, is that. And that we join into that fullness of life when we abide in Jesus, when we remain and connect into him. That is our created purpose. It is why we are here. We will spin our wheels chasing after lesser things, always feeling disconnected and dissatisfied and broken outside of this design by God that Jesus tells us in John 15, 5. Do we truly believe that? Do we truly believe that? We used an orange tree. We, we named her Susie. I meant to bring her, but I forgot, I forgot her. Um, we used an orange tree as an illustration, right? That, that if we, let's imagine this is Susie. Um, right, so we'll, we'll just go ahead and grab, this is, um, this, is, this is Susie's cousin. She's not real, but we'll go ahead and use this, right? That, that if this is an orange tree, each branch is designed to produce what? Oranges, right? But if, but if this branch, branchy as we, we named her, decides, no, no, I really want to be an apple branch. Like, I feel down into my core that I should produce apples with my life. That's what I think matters most. Side note, our culture now determines what is truth based on what we feel. That is a scary reality. It is a scary reality. Right, we want to say, man, science, right? We see, I see these signs in Austin all the time. Science is true, like science is, except for when we feel differently than science, then science is no longer true. That's a scary reality for the world we live in. So let's say Branchy feels like an apple tree and breaks away from the orange tree. What is Branchy going to produce? Nothing. Because unless the branch is connected to the source of life, it's not going to produce apples or oranges or bananas or anything. It will lead to despair and death. Disconnection from the tree leads to despair and death. And God is like, hey, you are to be connected to me. The only way for you to live and thrive is when you are connected to me, the source of life. Disconnection from Jesus always leads to death. Let me move this out of the way now. The problem that we have is that we are born into this world disconnected. We are born into this world disconnected. And so we see in the next slide that we have broken that relationship with God. 
Each one of us, the Bible says, Romans 3, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah says that we are all like sheep and have gone astray, each one to our own ways. We see it in the very beginning with Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, our first father and mother, that their eyes were taken off of God. They saw the fruit and they were like, man, that looks good and I feel like I can make my own choices. And so they pursued their own choices only to separate and break that relationship with God they were created to have. And all of us have followed suit. All of us at one point, whether you believe in God or not, if you can just imagine like, okay, perhaps there's a God, all of us would say, yeah, I haven't, I haven't measured up to the status of God. I got fallen short in some way, and that breaks us from that relationship with God. And so how are we ever then able to abide again? How are we ever able to live out John 15, verse 5? Faith. We have to have faith in Jesus, who is the one that reunites, restores us, reconciles us back into relationship with God. And so I want to talk for a second about what we have faith in. And please, just listen. If, if you're distracted right now, take a second, clear your mind, because I was reminded this week how often we can believe in the facts of what we're about to talk about, but not trust in that. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was seven. I trusted Jesus when I was 15. Massive difference. There's a massive difference in saying, oh yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead, versus I surrender my life to that, I trust that fully. And so as we talk about what is this faith in Jesus for this next second, hear this and, 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 and let it sink in and ask yourself, do I really believe this? Do I really trust this? So our sin breaks us from our relationship with God. And so how do we have that restored Jesus left heaven, and he came and he lived among us, right? Jesus, he, he lived in our place. God expected a perfect record from us. The only way that you and I can be in the presence of God is if we stand next to God holy. We just sang about that, right? God is holy. He is perfect. He is set apart. There is no trace or hint or thought of sin or wrongdoing, and there is 0.0% chance that we will stand in his presence unless we are holy. God will not tolerate sin. He will not tolerate us connected with him bringing in sin. But we're all sinners, and so Jesus comes and he lives in our place. He lives the perfect record for us. So now we can, we can offer a righteous record because of Jesus, but, but on the other hand, we're still holding on to our sinful record. Right? We can't walk up to God and say, I have, the, I have the righteousness of Jesus. He lived in my place, but I still have my sin. That's what God told me when I was 15. Corey, you can either live for me or you can live for yourself, but you cannot do both. You do not get to love me and love yourself at the same time. It's one or the other. There's only one God at the top. And so I cannot stand there and say, I have Jesus' righteousness, but I'm still holding on to my sin, which is why the second part, Jesus died in our place. Jesus went to the cross so that our record of sin could be nailed on the cross with him. That's what Colossians 1 tells us, that he took our debt, just our full record, past, present, and future sins, and they were nailed in agony onto our Savior. And when he was buried in that tomb, our record of sin was buried with him. 
And then Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven and is alive today. So that today, this day, November 21st, 2021, he can offer us the great exchange where he takes our sins and forgives them and he gives us his right record and now we can stand with God righteous, holy, not because we are holy, but because Jesus was holy in our place. That is what Jesus did. That is the gospel. But we're not born Christians. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't mean you're a Christian. If you're thinking, I've always been a Christian, the Bible says, no, you haven't. We become Christians when by faith we believe that Jesus lived for us, that Jesus died for us, and that Jesus rose again, and he offers us new life only by him. That is how we are rejoined into relationship with God simply by faith and I'm pleading with you don't cognitively know how to answer the right question but not believe it in your hearts don't don't understand what the gospel is but not trust it and surrender to it it is only by faith only by truly trusting in Jesus that we are saved and that we are reconciled into right relationship with God that is the gospel and it changes everything absolutely everything. That is how we abide in Jesus. That is how we abide in Jesus. Thanks, Adam. You can take that down now. But Jesus' command in John 15 is not a one and done thing. If God's hope for you was simply to trust him and then we'd be reconnected and that was the end game, then once we trust Christ, he would just take us on home. Right? If that was his end game was like, okay, I just want you to trust me. I just want you to be saved. That's it. Then once we, be, once we trusted him and we're saved, he would just bring us on home. But his aim is for us to then live today like Jesus, to love God and to love others and to be his ambassadors, his representatives on earth so that those people around us can also then know the hope and life of Jesus. And in that the fullness of life that we will have in heaven one day and will be perfect, we get to grow in every single day if we abide in Jesus. That, that I truly believe God has more on this planet for you and me than our brains can literally comprehend and his invitation is abide in me and you will produce fruit. Abide in me. Remain connected to me. It's not just a one and done thing. It's a daily choice to remain connected in him because we have a, an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can't keep your soul out of heaven, then all he wants to do is make your life a living hell on this planet so that A, you don't glorify God as much, and B, you don't, you don't show others the hope and life that's found in Jesus. And so then we started talking practically. What does it look like for us to abide in Jesus? Like how, how does this become a reality, right? And so we talked about that the enemy, the devil, one of the primary things he wants to do with us is to distract us and preoccupy us with lesser things. Right? He just wants to distract our mind and our world and preoccupy us with lesser things. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are these things that he was talking about? Do y'all remember what he talked about? 
Before this, Jesus was saying this command, don't worry, don't be troubled about what you eat or what you will wear. Quit freaking out about your food and your clothes. Right? If God takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of you. And then it concludes and says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And all these earthly things that we get worked up about, he'll take care of that. He'll take care of that. And so the question I ask again is, do you believe Jesus? Like, do you really believe that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will take care of the rest? And that whatever he does and gives to us is good. Do we truly trust him? Do we truly trust him? The devil wants to distract us and preoccupy us with, with, with lesser things all day long. Remember Mary and Martha? Remember that story? What does Jesus say to Martha? Martha, 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 Martha. People in 2021, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That's the words of Jesus. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Man, if I were to define our culture right now, bingo. We are anxious and troubled about many things. Not Mary. Mary's not anxious and troubled. Why? Because she chose the best thing, to be with Jesus before doing. We think doing, we think being active, having all this stuff in our life is what's going to fulfill us. And Jesus is like, no, no, just be with me. Just be with me. The rest will follow I remember we talked about the parable of the seeds, how there's one seed that gets choked out. Man, it gets, they, they hear the word of God and they're excited about it, but then it says the deceits of riches and of pleasures of this world choke out the seed that was planted in this person's heart. That there's so many distractions and loves of the world that it literally just chokes out the love of God and leaves no space. The I was, I was driving, it was either this week or I don't know, and I just thought, we are going to really struggle to hear and know from God unless we intentionally, proactively remove stuff from our life, actual, tangible things, and put more of Jesus in. To, to be a radical Christian in America, in Austin, is not to risk your life. You are, I don't want to say guaranteed but most likely guaranteed not going to be killed for your faith in this city to be a christian that that really abides is to put away things from your life that everyone else says is normal and to put in jesus game changer what are you talking about Corey? i don't have it with me that thing I realize you're probably taking notes. I'm going to assume you're taking notes. The phone, the smartphone it is a tool of the devil. Holy buckets. A tool of the devil. Look, I'm not saying a smartphone is wrong. I have one, right? I, I don't know how I would get around the city without it and my maps and right. There, there's efficiency to it, but here's what I can guarantee. Here's what I will, I will bet my house on that, that I don't presently own. That's fine. I will bet um, my, my car on that is a 2006 Honda Pilot, right? That is a fine automobile, right? I will, I will bet my car on it is that 94 to 95 percent of the time, you can verify that stat, 94 to 95 percent of the time, our, our phones take away from abiding in Jesus. They don't add to it. 
That's just, I'll bet my car on it. And so we got to ask, well, what's the worth of this? <laughs> like, why do I want to spend so much? And so, like, I'm not saying get rid of your smartphone, although it's not a bad idea. What I am saying is to get rid of all the, the distraction and the preoccupation, preoccupation that it has with it. Social media is not a bad thing. I will bet my car on it again. Your life will be better without it. That's, that's, my, that's my conviction. I don't, I don't think we're going to miss things. I realize it's a tool in many ways. I realize it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I will be willing to bet that give it a week's time and your life will be better without it than with it. The, the data is overwhelming overwhelming how much time we invest in comparing ourselves to other people's curated lives. You don't think that's doing negative things to our minds? It is a subtle deception of the devil. And I realize I'm on a soapbox. I will stand on that soapbox. I firmly believe it. I do. So just test it. Just test it. Don't delete your accounts. Just get rid of it for a bit and see. See what you really miss. See if you don't find yourself with more time. You're sitting at a red light. You're like, what do I do? I guess I just sit, right? Novel idea. You're in line for a sandwich. What do I do? I don't know. I guess I talk to the person next to me, <laughs> right? Like, let's not see if our lives are actually better. Another one is just media in general, TV, movies, music, like, again, I'm not saying get rid of it all. But, but I think that we massively need to shrink down the amount of distraction and preoccupation with stuff of this world that does not exalt Jesus and does not build us up and put in more of Jesus. So, so take that how you want. I, but I, I, we need to shrink that down. If we want to abide in Jesus, if we're going to believe what Jesus says... We have to shrink down the distractions, the preoccupations of our world and put in more of Jesus. It's, 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 not, even, it's not even a question. But the devil has done a phenomenal job of completely normalizing that. And, and I, I feel the same way you feel. It's kind of paralyzing to think about. Like it really is kind of overwhelming to think about just, just cutting that stuff. Hebrews 12, he tells us to throw off every weight and sin. I love that he distinguishes those two things. Yeah, get rid of every sin, but also the weights that are just unnecessary and slow us down because they're not worth it. We've got to shrink down our outside distractions and increase our time with God or we're never going to abide with him. Not deeply at least. I really wasn't planning on re-preaching sermons. Um, the next thing we talked about is our minds. If we're going to abide in Jesus, we have to take captive the thoughts of the devil that take us away from Jesus. Right? We, we said in, in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 5, right, that we, we're not fighting just a, a worldly battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And he says that uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, every argument raised against the truth of God, and we take captive every thought to obey Christ. 
That, that's a command of Scripture to take captive, to, to grab hold of every thought and ask the question, does this thought honor Jesus? Does this thought lead me to be like Jesus? If I act on this thought, will I be more like Jesus with this? And we're to take captive every thought. And we, we talked last week, or the week before, I don't remember, about the, the biology of the brain. That literally, what we think about becomes who we are. Because we are physically shaping our brain. We're creating these neural pathways, these neural ruts in our brain when we think about something over and over and over and over and over again. And next thing you know, we're just walking down that pathway without even thinking about it. It's called a habit. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you've taken so many thoughts have created this person that aren't Jesus, aren't like me. And we've got, to, we have the power of the Spirit of God in us. And, and I'm, I'm on the front line saying this feels overwhelming because I got some thoughts in here that go way back. I talked about that from middle school. They run deep. And Jesus is like, no, no, we're going to be free of this, son. And you can take those thoughts captive. You can't multi-think. So when I start thinking these negative thoughts, I've got to replace that thought with something else. I hear people say, change the channel. You cannot simultaneously, well, you probably can now with the little end screen box things. Anyways, right, old school TV, you can't watch two channels at the same time. You're on one channel. So when I'm thinking of this, I'm not thinking of all of that. And so when I start having these negative thoughts that don't honor God, my job is to, by the power of Christ in me, to think of what is true instead until I rewire my brain, I renew and transform my brain. That's what Romans 12 says. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our lives are literally changed by renewing our minds. And so what do we do? Colossians 3, 2. Proactively set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Spend time thinking about God and his word and what is true, not thinking about things of this world. And you will physically renew your mind and your life will be transformed. But then we gotta take captive our thoughts. Y'all, we've gotta be able to slow down and when we do the, the first part where we remove distraction, we'll actually have some time to do this, we gotta slow down. Breathe. That's not just like some modern meditation like that physically sends blood to our brain that allows us to think more clearly. It's wild. Breathe. Thank God for being with you. And ask him, hey God, will you, will you search my heart? Will you know my thoughts? Will you show me any grievous way in me? Because I want to walk on the path of life. And I will guarantee you that he will do that. And so we start to identify those negative thoughts, some of those that run deep. And we trust the power of God in us to renew our minds so that we can abide in him. You're still with me? These are, we've already talked, these are just recaps. But they're so important. But this now leads us to the last point. Obedience. Simple black and white obedience doing what God says to do or not doing what he says not 
to do. If we look back in John 15, right, he's talking about abiding. And if we go on to a little further in, past verse 5, sorry. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just, man, if you just want, if you want to think on some things, think on that. That the love that God the Father has for the love of God the Son is the same love that Jesus has for you and me. Like, just try and get your, wrap your head around that. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 3. Like, man, I hope that you know the love of Jesus that's really behind your knowledge, but I hope you know it, right? It's just so incredible. You'll never, you'll never hit the ceiling of that. You'll never max out. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's a command of Jesus. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, conditional statement, Y'all, conditional statement. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his, in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. L- let me point this out. You keeping his commandments does not make Jesus love you. His love is already there. You with me? If you keep his commandments perfectly, he does not love you more. And if you completely throw him away and and disobey horrifically, he does not love you any less. Your and my obedience does not earn the love of Jesus. It is already given to us. Our obedience just keeps us in the flow of it. It just keeps us there. I, I love waterfalls, Right, don't go chasing them though. Um, I was wondering how many people might catch that. It's gonna, you're gonna be a little bit older to catch that one, right? Don't, but I love waterfalls and like I just, I wanna, I have this vision of like running and jumping off into like a, a thing, right? But it's like a waterfall is just, it's flowing, right? The, the waterfall is flowing and, and if you stand under the waterfall, what's gonna happen? You're gonna get wet, right? And so, but if you stand on the outside and you, you don't get under the waterfall, you're not gonna get wet. But it's not because the waterfall is not, not falling, it's because you're, you're standing on the outside of it. But whenever you then move and get under the waterfall, you get wet. And that's the thing with the love of Jesus. It's already flowing, man. It's already falling. But we can remove ourselves from the love of Jesus. We can disconnect ourselves. Even as a Christian, right, we can, we can fracture that and disconnect our, ourselves. Let me, let me give you a picture. Can, can, can I use you for some help? Come on up here. For everybody watching online, yeah, we're probably gonna get out of the screen. And so, Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna hold on your shoulders. I'm gonna hop down here. And, and I just, just head off, I'm gonna follow you. You go wherever you wanna go, and I'm gonna follow you, right? And so, okay, cool, cool, cool. But now if I'm like, I'm gonna go this way. Work with me here. Am I still connected to Joel? No. Is it because Joel's not loving anymore? No, no, it's because he went that way and I chose to go this way. It is impossible for us to be connected if I do not follow him, if I do not obey what he's telling me to do, it is impossible for us to be fully connected. And the more that I walk away, the further we are from connection, the more obstacles are now in between us, right? And Jesus is saying that if we want to abide with him and remain with him, we have to obey his words. Otherwise, it is impossible to be connected with him. It's impossible. Thank you. So, well done. The, you kind of threw me off there for a little bit. It was a sharp turn. Um, that was not prepped at all either. That was just on the spot. Way to go. 
And so, so listen, it's simple black and white. If we believe these words, we have to obey the words of Jesus. If we're going to abide with him, we have to do what he says. And so how do we do this? Well, the first point is to, to do it. Right? I know it's real deep, real profound. Right? When, when, when God tells us to do something, we do it. When he tells us not to do something, we, we, we don't do it. And, and I realize it's like, okay, that's, that's basic understanding, but we've got to drill into our hearts. May the Holy Spirit convict us right now that any time we disobey, we are putting separation in between us and the love of Jesus. It's not that he has pulled away his love, it's that we have walked away from it. We have put an obstacle in between. We have disconnected. And so we simply do what he tells us to, to do. Psalm 37.3, right? If you want to memorize something, I'm just going to throw out some verses for us to memorize. Psalm 37.3, trust in the Lord and do good. Right? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. But if we want to abide in him, we, we've got to do good. We've got to, we've got to obey. We just have to do what he tells us to do. So what do we do when we don't do what he tells us to do, which we're not always going to do what he tells us to do? What do we do at that point? Have we lost God's love? Absolutely no. We, we respond well. Listen, what, what shows us as as mature men and women, as people who are growing in Christ, is not whether we are, per, like, never mess up or not. It's how do we respond when we do, right? Are the, are the times that we are living in sin shorter and shorter? Are the times that we are walking in righteousness wider and wider? We're going to mess up, and we are going to mess up, get, this is okay, in epically big ways sometimes, his love for us is the same. We are invited to respond well. To respond well. So what do you do? You confess and repent. You confess your sins and you repent. You turn and you go the other way. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. All. That's why when we sin, we disconnect because we are bringing in darkness. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, if we say we're connected to him while we go the other way, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do when we sin? We confess it and we repent and we return to the light. If we say we are abiding in Jesus, but we are holding on to sin, we are continuing to walk in sin, we're, we're a liar to ourselves, to God, to others. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us because Jesus has already died for them. And so he can forgive those sins and restore us to times of refreshing in his presence.
So we're called to obey perfectly. First Peter chapter one commands us to be holy as he is holy. Right, that's not just some song, that's not just, like we're commanded to be holy. We, we all know from personal experience, okay, I'm gonna struggle with that. So what do we do? We confess and we repent. We confess and we repent. And God is scooping us back up. And he's just picking us back up. And, and then what do we do? Philippians 3, 12 through 14. We get back on track. We press on. All right, that's what, that's what Paul says. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, right? If Paul can say that, come on, we're in good company, y'all. Relax. I feel, I feel some tension. Just relax. It's okay. If Paul's not perfect, it's okay. We're not going to be perfect either. But... I press on to make it my own. I press on to grab hold of that holiness, to grab hold of that righteousness. I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, come on, God. Can we have some freedom? Forgetting what lies behind because Jesus has already paid for it. We don't have to lug that junk along. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus. Right, so, so be obedient. Do what God tells you to do. When you don't, be quick to respond well. Confess it. Own it. Man, I, I, anybody watch Survivor? We're big survivor people in our house, right? This last week, it was just a great episode, just a great reminder. Hey, just own it. Just, just own your stuff. It's okay. Jesus already died for it, right? The best way to move forward is to own it, not to try and fix it and meddle with it. Just own it, confess it, repent, move forward, and press on. Next thing I'll say to do is to ask for help. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And we're, we're almost done here. Ecclesi- Man, I'm not going to find Ecclesiastes fast. Let's put it up there. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cold cord is not quickly broken. Ask for help. If we think we're going to go and be obedient in this world on our own, we've already failed. Humble yourself and ask for help. Put yourself out there because we know we need help. Ask for help. The next thing I'll say when we're talking about being obedient, be a good friend. When someone asks for help, be a good friend. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then everyone, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. Listen, be a good friend. Do not grow weary of doing good. Man, sometimes it is a beating to walk with people and to endure with them. And this is telling us right here, if you're looking for your reward from that person, yeah, it's not gonna go well. 
But if we trust that in due time we will receive our reward from heaven, man, that's going to be better than we can imagine. That's not getting taken away. So how do we walk in obedience? Man, just, just do it. Just, just be obedient. When we don't respond well, confess and repent. Get back up and press on. Ask for help. And for the love of God, be a good friend to people who do. Be a good friend and walk with them to holiness and to righteousness. That's how we can do this. I'm not going to go through this because I just, I just want to, we'll, we'll end here. We're called to obey. Jesus tells us in John 15 that we do this by loving one another. Right? This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Listen, our master just commanded us to love one another as he loved us. If we want to abide with him, then we love one another as he loved us. End of discussion. All right, Romans 9, verses 9 through 21. I'm not going to read it. Write it down. It's just a list, marks of genuine Christianity. And we could just run through it. Hate what is evil. Love what is good. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that phrase. Right, these are commands of Scripture. They're not suggestions. They're not like, oh, I don't know, maybe. They're commands of Scripture. Ephesians 4, 25-32, Colossians chapter 3. I mean, those are just some verses where it's like, all right, God, what are you telling me to do? And we just start there, we'll be all right. We'll be good. But Jesus sums it up. He's like, love one another. And this is how I want to end. Why should you and I trust Jesus? Why should, why should you and I devote our lives to obeying him man sometimes obeying Jesus is going to be hard right he tells us to take up our cross daily and follow him taking up your cross is not like getting a foot massage you know it's not it's not comfortable and easy so when we follow Jesus he's going to call us to die to ourselves he's going to call us to love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us He's going to call us to humble ourselves and prefer others over ourselves. He's going to call us to, to not grow weary of doing good. Right? He's going to call us to action. Why should we trust him? Why should we lay down our lives and follow Jesus? Why should we believe him and, and give everything for him? I've been thinking a lot about Galatians 2 recently. And Paul says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live today, November 21st, as we move forward, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by total surrender and trust in the Son of God. This is the kicker who loved me and gave himself for me. Our faith in Jesus is not some blind, I hope this works out, faith. It is faith in one who already loved us and gave himself for us. It is faith in one who left heaven and humbled himself to lift up those who were actively sinning against him. 
It is faith in one who laid down his life for those who took it. It is faith in one who sees you and knows you and already chose to love you nonetheless. There's nothing in your life that has surprised him. There's nothing in your life that will surprise him. And yet he said, man, I still want to love you. The life that we are invited into is good. It's good and it is best. Please hear God today. Listen to his invitation. I'm going to invite you, if you, if you will, if you just close your eyes because we're, we're easily distracted. Just, just try to be still. Just take a deep breath. Breathe in the truth that God loves you. Breathe out the lie that you are unlovable. Breathe in the truth that God sees you. Breathe out the lie that you are forgotten. Stay with me. Because God is for you, because he loves you and wants to have a thriving, abundant relationship with you, he will speak to you. I know for some of you, you may be thinking, I, I don't know that I've ever heard God speak to me. But he, he will, he will. you'll know it's his voice because what he says will align with scripture. It, it, it will not contradict what the Bible says. What is God saying to you? may be places of obedience that he is just telling you, well done. Be, let your father tell you that. Our father loves to encourage and praise you. Let him praise you for the areas where you're being faithful, where you're enduring, where you're not growing weary. also ask him. Ask him to search your heart and your thoughts to reveal to you any way, any thought, any motive that does not line up with him. And his invitation is to confess and repent that times of refreshing may come to your spirit.
confession is a, a move of freedom. It's unloading the poison that, that the devil has put into our brains and our thoughts, our lives. So what is he telling you to do? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.